Hello, friends. This is Ryan Stewart, associate producer at Chat with Leaders Media. I wanted to wish you all season's greetings as you are in your time of vision casting and planning for the new year as we are. We wanted to ensure a steady drip of wisdom hitting your feed to encourage and inspire your leadership. We care deeply about supporting your leadership development through the wisdom of our guests and helping purpose-driven leaders like you continue to be a force for good in the world. Today, we are revisiting one of our episodes from the Leadership Vault. Over to you, Jeff. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast. We're a platform for leaders to share the inspiring things they're doing to lead themselves, their teams, and the communities they serve wisely. This episode is part of a series where I chat with leaders who are having a profound social impact through tech innovation and service in their community. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Luis Wazaleski, the CEO and co-founder of Assivilate, a social enterprise providing rehabilitation software to justice, health, and human service agencies. Their technology helps justice agencies work with human services agencies to improve outcomes for vulnerable people by empowering them to help themselves and find support services that they absolutely need. Luis has spent 25 years in technology innovation, earned her bachelor's degree in aerospace systems engineering from Southampton University, and an MBA from Emory University. She also holds five patents. We chat about the personal reason she started Assimilate and the enormous problem she set out to solve in the criminal justice and human service system, how their technology has been scaling to solve this billion-dollar issue, how she's pivoted her business recently due to an unexpected introduction to a new partnership, and the importance of putting ego aside in leadership to focus on better outcomes and impact. It takes a lot of open-mindedness. I hope you really enjoy this episode with Luis Wazaleski. Thank you for joining us on Chat with Leaders, Luis. Nice to be here, Jeff. You know, I've been focused on this series on shows or leaders that are having a profound social impact through tech innovation. And I think you fit perfectly in terms of what you've been doing with the Civil Eight. And I'm incredibly honored to highlight that. Well, thank you. We aspire to have a big impact with people that most people forget about. As you know, we're all about packaging short chats with meaningful ideas. So I want to jump in and ask if you could please touch on why you founded a Civil Eight back in 2014 and the problems that you set out to solve in the criminal justice system with your technology solution. Yeah, absolutely. I started the company because when I was a teenager, my father got a criminal record. And as a result of that, he lost his job. He couldn't get hired again. And so my family went through the social and economic consequences of involvement in the criminal justice system. And so when I had the opportunity to do my own thing after having built a career, I had the chance to choose what I wanted to do next. That's a luxury. I wanted to work on the problem of creating second chances for people like him and kids like I was. But you can tell from my accent, I didn't grow up in the US. I grew up in the UK. And so first I had to learn about how the US criminal justice system works or doesn't work. Mm. And through literally hundreds of conversations as part of the Flashpoint incubator at Georgia Tech, conversations before and after that, I discovered that while the descriptions I heard didn't make any sense, that was because everyone was using different terms 
to describe the same problem from different viewpoints. Because they were looking at it in, from different viewpoints, they only saw a portion, but I took the time to really understand the whole ecosystem. And I, I showed up in a very open-minded way, not knowing the answers. And that allowed me to sort of hear and observe what perhaps somebody from one of those silos would not have noticed. And I realized a big problem is uh, returning citizens, what you might call an ex-offender, they generally don't have access to their information to know what they're supposed to do. And it's just a real problem getting all these different agencies and community partners that are trying to help to work together, pulling in one direction. So that's the problem we're really trying to solve with our technology. It's information sharing in a privacy compliant way that also empowers that vulnerable person, whether they're homeless, getting out of prison or jail, you know, a, a woman leaving a domestic violence situation. There are many people that are, are folks we can help. And you did a TED Talk, which was incredibly inspiring, by the way. I would highly suggest anybody that's listening, go watch that TED Talk online. But you landed on a huge billion-dollar program in the United States because it's 500% more likely to incarcerate somebody than most places, I guess all places around the world. And these are for minor offenses. And so when you're talking about ex-offenders that are re-entering into society, they're people that deserve a second chance, quite frankly, but they're overwhelmed with what to do, right? Because they don't know where to start and they don't know where their information is. And so you created the technology for that. Am I correct? That's right. A universal word I heard across the country was, I was so overwhelmed, I didn't know what to do. Hmm. And so our tool is a cognitive support. So the person isn't so overwhelmed and it working with people in the community, it provides them guidance. So they do know what to do next. And just knowing what to do next is something that in business we take for granted, right? We build project plans, we write procedures, step one, step two, step three. And if you just want to recover your lost ID, you need to follow certain steps in a certain sequence, or else you're never going to get your social security card that you need to actually take up that job that you've had an offer for. So we are absolutely trying to provide that kind of guidance and support so people aren't so overwhelmed. They know what to do and they have a fighting chance. Mm, wonderful. And I loved your analogy to making the patient the center of the healthcare rehabilitation process as well and the benefits that that's had to put the patient at the center and relating that to why can't we do that for people reentering in society in these instances. So fast forward me now to where we're at today. If you look back on your last seven years of being in business, what are you most proud of accomplishing thus far? And what's been kind of your biggest obstacle towards scaling the solution that you offer through technology? The proudest accomplishment is probably that we are part of a randomized control trial of our approach that's federally funded running in North Carolina. And so the fact that we have a true randomized control human clinical trial that means that there are people out there who can write big checks who believe that what we're doing is likely to work because nobody wants to fund a trial that fails. So in, in many ways, while we don't have the results from that yet, just the fact that we got that funded and up and running is a big deal. And so the biggest challenge is simply how long it takes for change to happen in the government space and in social services it's a five-year clinical trial. My goodness me, you know, that's longer than most startups even live. And so I think that's been the biggest challenge is being able to collect enough evidence, as the term is, 
to convince other places that this sort of approach makes sense. But what we've seen as a result of COVID is that suddenly everybody is realizing that, oh my goodness, if you can't have face-to-face meetings, you actually need that returning citizen to be able to help themselves. And so they've suddenly seen the value in what we're doing. And some states are now saying, you know what, I'm going to build this for myself. This is so important. I've absolutely got to have it. So we're trying to address that desire for control and freedom through a standards-based approach. We're making the case that if you launch with us now on a standards-based approach, if you decide later you want to own, own your own, standards will allow you to drop in your own replacement. But please don't wait two years to help these folks. Look at the thousands and thousands of lives that are impaired, chances that are lost over a two-year period. Don't tell me those lives don't matter. Don't tell me you can wait. Mm, I love that. And perhaps as we look at COVID, it's always very odd to think that there's things to be thankful for for it because it doesn't take away from the tragedy and just the hurt and the year that we've had in 2020 and now in 2021, it's not over. But in a way, it's tuned a lot of people into the need for technology to innovate in order to continue this social impact. And and that's why I've been focusing on this series is because of that heightened awareness of what we can do collectively through the use of tech innovation for good to solve these fundamental problems. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. So now, talk to me about now, here and now. You've had an unexpected introduction and a relationship that's caused you to rethink or let's say reevaluate your baseline business strategy and make some big changes to your plan. Uh, Tell me about that and why you made those changes. It really is the most amazing thing, right? I'm a career technologist, you know, five patents, 30 years in technology and aerospace degree. And we are pivoting to become a tech enabled service in partnership with another company that provides healthcare. And this introduction between ourselves and the company out in Arizona, Golden Health Initiative, it was made by a returning citizen, a guy who'd served 20 years in Georgia, who has been through that process of being overwhelmed and is now stable and providing coaching and support to other people getting out of the system. And his coaching and personal experience meant that when he learned about us through a partner here in Georgia that we work with, a pastor with a reentry ministry, and he learned about the healthcare provision side that our partner Golden Health can bring. He said, if we put all these pieces together, you know, a life coach, so there's actually somebody for a vulnerable person to turn to, your technology that enables all of us to work together and to find you know, workforce support, housing support, along with medical care, we have a comprehensive solution. And I didn't know this company in Arizona from Adam, But the quality of the relationship and being open-minded meant I listened to that returning citizen and trusted his experience and his assessment. And I got on a call and listened to what these other folks have to say and told them what I did. 
And at the end of that call, I still didn't really understand how it all fitted together. But the healthcare company knew what they were missing and they grabbed hold of what we had as what they were missing. And then they educated me on what they were bringing to the table that hadn't shown up in that original conversation. And so we've developed a business model that means we can provide this care in a sustainable way through insurance payments. We've been selling to Department of Corrections. We've not been selling to the big insurers or to Medicaid. And so this really is a significant change for us, but it has a lot of advantages. One of the biggest advantages is simply that we'll be able to have much greater impact because we'll be managing the medical side of wellness as well as the social determinant side. It also means we'll have a sustainable business model without having to go off and sell massive state contracts that take a long time. We'll be able to start in a real community grassroots way and then grow. And so we'll see community impact in any new community a lot faster than under our traditional sales model. So it's a very sustainable business model. It's a beautiful partnership because we're all um, mission-driven to serve vulnerable populations. And it's also super because we have very clear lanes. The first time we got on a sales call together, we didn't really have time to work out you know, who's doing which slide, but the responsibilities were so clear and the flow was smooth. So the handoffs went really well. And at the end of it, I thought, my goodness me, that's one of the best sales calls I've ever done because our values are aligned and the responsibilities are clear. Mm, I love that. And really, it seems like you are aligned on impact and outcomes that you all believe that combined you can have together the collective impact, which brings me to the point that most founders and leaders really struggle with ego and owning the solution and owning the impact and, and their why there's a point of pride, I think, when it comes to founding your own business and growing it over the last seven years, and getting to this point where you're going to give credit away to a more comprehensive solution, but you're focused on impact. So what have you learned in this journey about the importance of that, about being able to share credit and focus on more successful outcomes as a leader? For me, I'm not somebody who as a seven-year-old started a lemonade stand. You know, I wasn't always going to be a CEO. I went to Emory to get my MBA thinking I'd be a CTO. But when I found this problem, I realized nobody else was going to work on it. So I became a CEO. But in my mind, this has always been God's business. I happen to be the person running the company at the moment, but it's really his. And when you take that frame of mind, it removes a lot of fear. It doesn't mean I'm any less committed than if it was mine, because I've certainly put my capital to work and that's my retirement at stake. But if I'm on a mission for him, the question is, how is that mission best accomplished? Mm. There's a great quote out there I've heard attributed to different people. It's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who takes the credit. And I, I think that is an incredibly powerful way to look at solving any big problem. And this problem of not just the criminal justice system, but systemic poverty in the US, it's such a massive problem. What, what size ego must you need to have to think you're the only one that can do this? You know, it's so clear that it is only through community and different people bringing different pieces that we're going to solve it. But even so, that raises the question, who leads the charge? 
Mm. Right. Even if you're bringing lots of people together, do you have to be the one who leads the charge? And what we found in this case is we've really kind of built a, a reciprocal financial model. Depending on who we're talking to, different parties will lead the charge. And we can have a different party making the sale depending on the type of sale that it is and still do you know, one or, or uh, of several revenue shares. So I am not a healthcare expert. I'm learning a lot, but I'm still at that, you know, I stayed at a holiday in last night stage. I could play one on TV, <laughs> but I don't have a public health qualification. But other people, other organizations on the team do, but they haven't spent seven years in the criminal justice system. They don't know all the types of unexpected barriers that we stumble across, or like um, Dr. John Smith on our team, who spent five plus years running a homeless facility for women with children. So yeah, I really don't care who gets the credit as long as we get the job done. And in our collaborative, we have different people leading in different situations, but because we have this alignment on value and mission and we have clarity on what value each party is bringing we don't tread on each other's toes and i would say in the midst of that you were very open-minded to solving the problem and if you were to make a call to action towards other leaders in their business about open-mindedness and the importance of that what would your call to action be one is just the, uh, it doesn't matter what somebody's title is, right? A good idea can come from anywhere. And, uh, you know, in this case, it's a returning citizen, a guy who's literally served 20 years in prison that most people might throw away. Hmm. But he had a lot of time to think. And he's a, you know, he's a smart guy. He used that time to get educated and he saw how to fit the pieces together. So the first thing is ideas can come from, you know, anyone with any title, and the second thing is don't just don't think you know it all, right? Don't assume that you are solving the whole problem. One of the challenges with the criminal justice system is you can fix one problem, but there are so many ways people can fail that if you don't address lots of different pieces, it's almost like stepping stones across the river. If you've got six stones and you've still got two gaps, somebody's still going to fall in the river. Mm. And so be open-minded about your grasp of the problem there's probably problems that other people in your ecosystem experience that because you've not stood in their shoes you don't understand their side of the problem i think one of the advantages i had as an outsider is i didn't assume i knew all the answers and i talked to so many different types of stakeholder in the ecosystem i think if you want to improve something it's great to come out of an industry to take something that exists and improve it a little bit but if you really want a transformative solution, there's no harm in coming in with beginner's mind and just listening to everyone and trying to piece it together. Well, you never know where inspiration is going to come from. And Louise, you have inspired me today and I am so grateful. How would people learn more about your leadership and the work that you're doing? Well, we were just named to the uh, GovTech 100 list again this year. And so you can find us at our, our website, civilate.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Louise Wozileski, W-A-S-I-L-E-W-S-K-I, or uh, email Louise at Civilate, and that's A-C-I-V-I-L-A-T-E.com. Or here in Atlanta, you know, we're based at the ATDC. 
and very thankful for the support we've received from them. Well, we're very thankful to have you in the Atlanta Tech community, Louise, and again, for your gift of time and wisdom today. Thank you again for being on Chat with Leaders. Thanks very much, Jeff. It was my pleasure. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.